Mm-hmm. How much should people pay for their health? How much should you pay for your health? At least a dollar. <laughs> I know they got the money there. Like, I just want to say, if they just stopped spending so much on their military to terrorize the rest of the world. <laughs> How are your prisons more well-funded and a better environment to access healthcare? Hello, Globies. Welcome to the World Health Investigation Podcast. My name is Jocelyn. I'm Edna. And I'm Loza. We're three young global health professionals and your hosts for the World Health Investigation Podcast. Also known as the WHI, we'll be discussing all things global health and unpacking the most controversial health and social issues. As well as promoting new wave global health development and equity. So, ladies, what's the tea in global health today? What is the tea? What is the tea? Who is spilling the tea today? What are we spilling? Right? Tell us, <laughs> Am I spilling the tea? Is it you are spilling the tea. I'm spilling the tea? Okay, let mm-hmm. me tell you. I'm, I'm going to ask a very generic question. Mm-hmm. How much should people pay for their health? How much should you pay for your health? At least a dollar. <laughs> I was going to say zero, please. <laughs> I don't have money. Personally, I don't want to pay for nothing, anything. Absolutely nothing. Nothing. But the truth is, we live in a world where, you know, we have to pay for everything. We have to pay for existence. Everything has a price. Everything, everything has, has a price. Right. And we're mm-hmm. going to find out what that price is. So usually, as young people, we don't tend to think about the price of healthcare. We don't, don't think about the cost of healthcare. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, if you grow up, if you grew up, let's say, middle class, high class, maybe not low class, your parents probably paid for whatever health insurance system you had. Or probably made sure that you were okay and you were alive. That's why you're alive today, right? (laughs) Yeah, so you didn't have to worry about it. But as you grow up, you start to realize that it costs. It costs money. Healthcare costs money. And (laughs) And the way you said that is sudden. And and how we're going to address it and the whole concept behind universal health coverage. So hey, we're going to be educated today. Yeah, Yeah. we're going to break down what universal health coverage is, and then I'll give you an example and we'll look at a case study. So universal health coverage is the principle that all people, no matter their social, economic, geographic conditions, have access to essential health services at low or no out-of-pocket cost to them. Essentially, the goal is to prevent healthcare from pushing people into poverty. That makes sense to me. Uh, yeah, healthcare should be Beautiful, right? Beautiful concept. I like it. Wonderful. If I'm poor, <laughs> I should be able to access health, right? Right? It's a beautiful. If I am Black, Latino, I should be able to access health, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes sense to me. Yeah, <laughs> but the reality is, uh-huh. what happened? Let's find out. So we're gonna look at this example. I was I was watching Chicago Med. I don't know if you guys watch Chicago Ooh. Med. Whoever has heard watched Chicago Med, I have heard of it. You've heard of it. I mm-hmm. love it. I was obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was in this episode where this man, right, he got in his car and on his way. He hit this person, and the person got into a traumatic injury, was brought to the hospital, and they couldn't get saved and died, right? 
So eventually we checked and we see that this guy was trying to hide from his wife about his admission to the hospital. The guy that, that the guy that hit the person was trying to hide from his wife that he went to the hospital with somebody. So essentially the doctor tries to find out like, why is he hiding from his wife? Why is yeah. he there to hide? Mm-hmm. So the wife finds out later on that, okay, my husband has been hiding, has been hiding this from me. And it turns out that this man had cancer. The husband. The husband. The husband that hit the person. The husband that hit the person has cancer. Okay. And, and now this man is about to go to jail. And the doctor said, no, I don't want to go to jail. He's going to jail because he hit this person and the person died, right? Uh-huh. He's about to go to jail. And the doctor is like, no, I don't want my patient to go to jail because essentially he was trying to protect this guy. But the guy is just surprisingly just like, um, I don't mind going to jail. I just want to go to jail. And like, it doesn't Take make any sense. <laughs> the doctor was like, do you understand the implications of your actions? If you give yourself to the police, you will go to jail. He said, yes, it's fine. I don't mind. I mean... It happens, I deserve it. And then it turns out that he was saying no. The doctor put the pieces together that he was saying that he wants to go to jail because he knew the whole time that he had a cancer. Because when he told him he had cancer, he said, mm-hmm. I knew a long time ago. And he knew that going to jail would get him free health care, free treatment for his cancer. Huh? I'd rather go to jail. He went through so many times. I said, oh. He would rather go to jail. Because otherwise, there's no way he'd get treatment. Yeah, he can't afford it. He can't can't afford afford the treatment. He Mm. can't afford the treatment. So, knowing that in the Chicago prisons, Chicago prisons offer healthcare. They offer, I think, mostly free healthcare, especially for, for cancer. So, he knew that he would afford it. He would not afford the access it in jail. So, yeah, that's one of my favorite episodes because it just <laughs> highlights the extent to which people would go right. to get healthy, even yeah. go into crime to get healthy because he purposely, it's not like he, he purposely hit someone. It's someone who died. Who died. Hey. So what's it's a miracle. It's like a miracle. That is a miracle. A <laughs> Anyway, chill, that country. Mm. okay interesting okay so that just makes me i don't know it makes my body itch i don't know about you guys they make my body itch i want to ask you ladies do you understand where he's coming from or do you relate in any way shape or form we don't judge here or do you understand the importance of universal health coverage and how can we link it to this example mm-hmm. yeah no girl that's deep i mean I've never been in such a desperate situation, but I know, especially looking at the U.S.'s healthcare from the outside, um, I read somewhere that was like, basically their healthcare system is like GoFundMe based because <laughs> a lot of people, um, you know, when they get into like situations, like for example, with cancer or like really expensive, um, well, illnesses that require expensive treatments mm-hmm. because it's out of pocket or they're not covered they have to rely on like people's help from GoFundMe's or donations in order to afford healthcare. So this is, I think, obviously, because it's a TV show, like the, the an exaggerated version of like the lengths people go to. I've yeah. seen diabetic people in the U.S. having to go get their insulin from Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, so, 
yeah, it does make my blood boil because it's kind of like, especially with the U.S. being such a rich country, mm-hmm. that um, I I know they got the money there. Like, I just want to say, if they just um, stopped spending so much on their military to terrorize the rest of the world, <laughs> I'd be. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And maybe repurposed it a little. Yeah, I'm not the U.S.'s president, but like, y'all have no excuse. You get what I mean? Like, it is they they are a rich country, and their people should not be going through like such lengths in order to afford healthcare. But that's that's it. That's all I have to say. It's funny how you say that, Loza, because oftentimes when we think of universal health coverage, oh, healthcare. <laughs> It's the poor people that oh, need yeah. you know, low resource settings. Low resource settings. Underdeveloped countries. Countries. Africa. In this case, <laughs> we're looking at, we're going to start, we're going to look into high income countries and look into low income countries. Absolutely. But this is the US we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So the land of the free, the land of money, land of money, but healthcare is still a basic problem. Yeah. Yeah. That was unacceptable to me, but yeah. 100% to me, like I'm also triggered by this because I'm like, how are your prisons more well funded and a better environment to access healthcare than ever? Let's, Let's talk about the prisons, please. Repeat that, please. Repeat that, repeat that. Repeat that. How can your prisons <laughs> have better healthcare funding and act services than your actual hospitals? That I don't understand how what? you can. Like, how? I don't understand how you can allow that to happen. The fact that there's so many prisons. There's so many prisons. The prison system. You said, I'd rather be in prison than stay outside here with you. Because the outside is death. Like his other option was literally dying. And that's that's what it boils down to me. Like it's if you don't have enough money, you're dying. But there's treatment that could save your life, but you're dying because you don't have the money. Which is ultimately just against everything I believe in. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, this this is this is this is this is very I don't know, tragic, <laughs> catastrophic. And it, it kind of highlights why we're talking about this today. We're talking about mm-hmm. the extent to which people will go through catastrophic yeah. experiences. This is a catastrophic experience. And now I'm gonna dive into a few countries, like African countries actually that would say have relatively good healthcare systems and they still struggle in certain aspects, right? Mm-hmm. So then South Africa, South Africa is currently facing a quadruple burden. So it has a burden of HIV and AIDS. It has a burden of chronic illnesses like lifestyle diseases. And it has a burden of injuries as well as a burden of trauma from accidents, wood accidents and stuff like that, mm-hmm. right? So they're facing this quadruple burden and the system in South Africa is quasi-federal. So meaning that um, each, each um, whilst it is run by, it is overseen by the government, the national government, but it has um, ministers of health in each provinces. Mm-hmm. The problem is that whilst they have a relatively good healthcare system, pretty good, uh, a lot of health professionals are leaving the country, leave the country, and there's a shortage of healthcare professionals. So a lot of healthcare system, a lot of the systems in SA are under are basically like burdened, right? And now there's an issue with major, major out-of-pocket payments. And we're gonna mm-hmm. break down what these out-of-pocket payments mean. <laughs> Do you guys want to 
chip in? Yeah, so I mean, let me try bringing some of my degree, my actual degree. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so out-of-pocket payments, from my understanding, is essentially how much you are actually paying out of your own wallet for health, for health, right? And you can even split it in two ways. There's like the direct costs, mm-hmm. which is like okay, the cost for like the drugs that you need, the costs that are related to like, you know, the doctors and your medical appointment and stuff like that. And then there's actually also indirect costs, which is the money you use for transport to get to the hospital in the first place and all these other things. Or let's say the amount of money you lose if you are sick and, you know, you can't go to work. And so there's loss of income there. So that's essentially what out-of-pocket costs come down to out-of-pocket payments come down to it's like how much out of your own wallet you are taking out for health mm-hmm. yeah perfect perfect <laughs> so essentially now south africa has been put in a place where there have there has been um well people have had to spend a lot on out-of-pocket payments in terms of health care yeah it's problematic because then whilst there are people that can afford it, rich people that can afford it, there's still a large portion of people that still can't afford um, basic healthcare needs. And we're going to go into a bit, in a bit more detail about what that means. And then there's also Tanzania, which has sort of like, it's a, it has district level healthcare where um, the national, I think the national, the government would kind of make sure that would oversee the strategic decisions. And then at district level, they would run the operations and actually delivering the healthcare. But it has similar problems of shortages of, of, of staff, shortages mm-hmm. of, of healthcare professionals, and also these same out-of-pocket payments that seem to be a problem for the community. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> this just highlights how, yes, whilst you may have a relatively good healthcare system, at the end of the day, if any particular group is left behind or if any particular group of people such as um, older people or pregnant women or uh, immunocompromised patients or people with lifelong diseases, they would get into very, very deep financial trouble if they were to afford that type of healthcare. So now I'm going to ask you a question. Now, do you think, what do you understand by the concept of equality in health? Do you think we should aim for equality in health? Hmm. Hmm. We aim for equality in health. Equality in health. See, my thing is that's there's so many different ways to answer that question. Because then my first thing is like, okay, when we say equality in health, what does that even mean in the first place? Like, am I saying I want to achieve equality in terms of access for everyone to the healthcare services? Am I saying I want to achieve equality in terms of like the actual health outcomes to say like, I want everyone to be able to have a good level of health, whatever that health mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the first questions I would, I would, I would ask. Before we even ask right. that question. Before even answer, Before like, should we have to... it? What, what do we mean by that? Yeah, what is the definition of equality in health? Like, mm-hmm. ultimately, like, for example, I think it is easier maybe to achieve, like, equal access to, like, certain... Mm-hmm types of health services but like equal health in everybody I mean people have their own genetic predispositions people have different social determinants there's a lot of different things to address and sometimes it's not feasible to make everyone's health the same and equal whatever good health definition is Mm -hmm. 
We, I think we even have to break down what exactly equality and health means. Mm-hmm. Right? Health means equality is not the same as equity. Mm-hmm. Equality and health means equal health care for everyone. That sounds nice, Thanks. right? Everybody beautiful is healthy. But beautiful. I don't think that's even feasible. No. I don't think that's feasible. And I'm going to get into why. And there's equity, which means that you essentially there's this idea of positive discrimination where you ensure that people that can't access healthcare still get it. So it's not necessarily equal. So it means unequal treatment for unequal people. So right. whoever feels on, whoever is at an equal level gets treated unequally in a positive way so that they can right. So there's more focus. There's more focus. Yeah. yeah. The reason why <laughs> my problem sense. with equality in health, as Loza you said, is that first of all, genetically we're not equal, and then again, the, that idea can be quite paternalistic because now some healthcare conditions are very lifestyle based. So are you going to tell people to? Are you going to govern and control people's behaviors and monitor people's behaviors? No, you can't do that. It's not possible. You can make you recommendations, but yeah, yeah. You can't you can't possibly do that? So again, it already comes with that problem of like, first of all, like we're not all healthy in the same way. So mm-hmm. for people for health, <laughs> it's not even biologically possible. <laughs> yeah, and if I was just to expand, maybe to give an example that could help people in terms of the difference between equality and equity. Mm. So equality could look like, okay, I decide to start an initiative where I'm like, I want to give everyone bicycles so that they can, you know, exercise more, be active and better health and all these different things. Fine. Mm. We won't knock the idea yet. There's many holes, but let's say that's what I decide to do. If I say I want to approach this in with the like equality in mind, it means I'm going to give the same bicycle to everyone, the same size bicycle, the same kind of bicycle to everybody. (laughs) Yeah. But the issue there is, have you considered the height of people? For example, children can't ride an adult bike. Some of of us are short. Some of us. Some of us. You have like what? Three centimeters on me. It's okay. (laughs) Uh, you know the real numbers, Loza. Listen, I want to expose you. I want to expose you. We want to expose you. We're focusing on health, not height. Sorry, sorry. I just, y'all started it. But you see, already she's triggered because she's like, great, you give me a bicycle, but you know, I can't ride it. I can't ride it. No. Thanks for the bike, Bob. Yeah. There's people who maybe have some kind of disability that doesn't right. have be able to use that kind of a bike and right. we also know that bicycles differ in terms of like the seat the seats for men and the seats for women and stuff like this so i can't just give the same bicycle to everyone that's what equality would do right now that approach would then be able to say i recognize that there's people and there's different kinds of people genetically this differences my pre-existing um you know conditions all these different things so i can give you a bicycle that's more adapted to you if you're a kid i'll give you a, a bicycle that's suitable for a kid if you're someone with a disability i can give you a bicycle that's more suited to your needs that's what equity would try to do mm. i like that i like, I like that. that explanation <laughs> yeah and again like if you think equity and health what what does good health even mean? As you said, right. like what 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 does good health mean? If I if I was born with, I don't know, uh, type one diabetes, mm-hmm. um, good health would mean something completely different to me. <laughs> as long as I'm able right. to get my insulin, my insulin tablets, um, I'm good. You know, whereas for someone else that has let's say an athlete, good health to them is a completely different, <laughs> a completely yeah. different yeah. thing. 
we can't achieve um, equality in health. Also, there are many other factors that contribute to healthcare, like your social determinants of health, your geography, mm-hmm. your right. social factors, your household income, mm-hmm. your education, how much, how well informed you are. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's why I, I don't think it's it's um, I don't think it's achievable. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah, it's important to define these things of like what's equality and what's equity before we even get into like universal health, like health coverage and access to health for all. Because what does definitions are important and what's feasible and what's not, you know? Yeah, yeah it's good to clarify that. Now let's dive a bit further into this equity word. It sounds beautiful. Yeah. We've mentioned it so many times. Yeah, yeah. On our Insta bios, we love equity here. <laughs> Everywhere we love the word equity. We promote equity. What does that mean? Yes. Now let's give an example, right? We're all in a pandemic in this panoramic. This panasonic. <laughs> When the outbreak, when the COVID was, when COVID was still an outbreak, when it was still in one specific location, when it was still, let's say, in China, right? When it's where it started, right? Yeah. Initially, you think outbreak, and let's say if we had, um, hypothetically, if we had a drug for right. COVID, like a treatment for COVID, right? And it came out, we'd all be happy. And now, say, let's say me, I'm a policymaker, and I decided, okay, I may start off with, distributing making sure that everyone has the has story has um this drug so i'd want to make make it accessible to everybody so that would be horizontal equity mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. equity is basically saying everyone all of you get medication great right essentially i start to see that oh i'm noticing that uh, billionaires are having more and more of this of this drug mm-hmm. i'm thinking that um people in central um in central in maybe i don't know maybe in um in china or mm-hmm. people in the capital city are accessing this medication but people mm-hmm. in urban in urban towns so in urban in rural. And rural towns sorry in rural towns mm-hmm. are not accessing this drug so i have to say okay there's a problem right. there are poor people and there are people that are not able to afford this job or simply not able to travel because it's very very far so i start to say that okay i'm going to make create come up with a policy or come up with an intervention that would distribute this this drug to everybody to distribute to everybody to those people particularly to those people and so that would be an example of vertical equity where i try to reduce the gap between the haves and the have-nots right mm-hmm. So that's what we need to differentiate as well. Mm-hmm. When we're talking about universal health coverage, who are we targeting first? Mm-hmm. Who are we prioritizing? Because it's not, it's very easy to say that, yeah, everyone's going to have access to healthcare, but it's not possible because we have very limited resources. So we have to maximize them. Mm-hmm. Have more to add? <laughs> yeah, I, I find the, the horizontal equity thing like interesting because it is true. Your initial thing would be, Okay, I'm recognizing that there's different needs, um, but then you also need to still recognize, I mean, different needs, for example, based on people's social determinants, their ethnicity, their they able-bodied or not, stuff like that. But you still need to recognize that even when you try adapt your policy to that, you need to pay attention to the fact that, you know, I can't just provide the same thing to everyone and it's suddenly going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's true. And, and there are even like, there are many arguments against equity 
there are arguments against guys. There are, are arguments against vertical equity, and there, there are arguments against universal health coverage. Right. Because what happens now? You want to increase access to healthcare for these groups, right? Yeah. Sometimes that would mean increasing taxes. Right. And then people get angry. Yeah. Ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> but like I, I wasn't ready for that. So I'm having to pay for because someone for else someone else's yeah. <laughs> I think that's the hard part. I know, like uh, what is it, universal health coverage? It's a sustainable development goal. You know, we love setting the goals, but you really need to get political will at the end of the day, like global health and achieving these things, it's not just like the job of a healthcare provider, but it's also like you have to get the people to be willing, you have to get governments to be willing. Now, a government is not gonna uh promotes universal health care if it comes at the cost of taxing the people more mm-hmm. because then they're not going to vote for them the next time so they're going to choose public appeal over mm-hmm. you know necessarily the betterment of health so you kind of have to balance everything and get political will which is the, i think the hard part mm-hmm. achieving UFC. That, that is the hard part. And we've seen countries like Switzerland, you know, that have that have <laughs> private health insurance systems, very, very yeah. well structured private health insurance systems. But <laughs> at the same time, it's like similar to the way politicians would have would yeah. be inclined to act towards their own advantage and towards their own personal um political campaign. Yeah. In private health insurance systems, sometimes this is these systems are pricey. And right. they're not of the interest of the public or the patient, right. but towards their mm-hmm. profits and towards their yeah profit-driven health. Profit-driven health, my favorite thing. I have something to say about this. <laughs> Hello. Some of you may know I do live in Switzerland. As a Swiss woman, <laughs> I live there, and I do pay for health insurance. Um, and yeah, just to give people background a little bit about the Swiss system is. Health insurance, everyone has to have health insurance. It's mandatory, but it's not like from the government directly. It's through private health insurance companies. So everyone has to sign up with some private health insurance company. And the thing, at least that's there, the protection for the public is they cannot deny you for the basic coverage, Mm -hmm. right? You cannot be denied wherever you go, any company, you have to be accepted. Now, the thing is, it is still you who has to pay for the health, like the monthly like premiums and all these different things. So that's what comes out of you in as an individual. And of course, this helps because it means like eh, there's enough financing for the health system that everyone will be able to access, you know, the hospitals when you actually have a problem. There's enough financing to the government system through that private health insurance system that we have. But what happens is, for example, for me, my experience through that is then I'm young, generally healthy. I don't really have any pre-existing, you know, condition and stuff like that. So I really have to interact with the healthcare system, Mm -hmm. but I still have to pay a lot for health insurance. So it just definitely makes me feel like I am paying for a system that I barely even use. But I understand the importance of it because we have to finance the, the our healthcare some way, somehow. Mm. But this system, I feel, is already quite expensive. Mm. Um, the only good thing here is in Switzerland, I guess it's balanced by the fact that, um, you know, people tend to have higher incomes. They're paid generally much higher um, than in other places. So you can mm. kind of cover it, but it still, feel, it still feels expensive. It's expensive. expensive. Yeah. Yeah, no, I can see uh, that. The, the problem with um, private health insurance is, yeah, it's the expense. 
Because some of them can be affordable, but a lot of them are quite expensive, especially in a country like Switzerland, where yeah. everything is expensive. Everything's expensive here. Yeah. <laughs> Adding health on top, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just not a problem. Now, let's look into like African countries. Like African mm-hmm. countries, a lot of African, when I say African countries, I mean the countries I referred to earlier in this episode, Tanzania, South Africa, even Cameroon, where I'm from, a lot of people rely on community health insurance. Community Mm -hmm. health insurance is basically when um, a community comes together, like members of a community come together and they decide to raise funds for Mm -hmm. somebody's health. So that's that's quite voluntary. And the good thing is that it comes from your family, it comes from your loved ones. And People usually tend to care and they would they would sacrifice themselves for somebody else, right? But the mm-hmm. problem is that it still, still, still makes the rural and the poor people spend a lot on healthcare. Even yeah. if they're not um necessarily the one that's ill, you hear that your grandmother is sick or your one of your uncles just got an operation that they can't afford, everyone in the family has to come together and contribute towards it. And most mm-hmm. of the time, these people can't even afford it either. So they, they do it, but it still yeah. puts that burden on the poor. On people, yeah. yeah. And it's and it's it's kind of, I would, I would describe it as regressive. Regressive meaning that it's when a healthcare system makes the poor people spend more than the rich people. It's when the healthcare expenditure goes more towards, goes comes more from the poor than the rich. And, and sorry, the healthcare financing comes more from the poor than the rich, whereas progressive meaning that the healthcare expenses are mostly funded by the rich rather than the poor. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just think that this these systems, yeah, it, it really depends on the context and it depends on the country in which right. we're, we're, we're speaking of. Yeah, yeah that's true. Because I think even with the example of like private insurance, it is expensive here, but it, it works a bit better because the country has like enough money. Yeah. In yeah. other countries, I can see that being not as feasible. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Now, ladies, now this leads me on to my next question. Okay. Do you think that universal health coverage is a feasible goal? I can start. Personally, yeah. I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think it is. I think it is. It's it's feasible now. It, does that mean that we did mean policy changes? Yes. Is it contextual? Yes. Considering social, geographic, demographic, all these factors, it's feasible. Mm-hmm. What that means for different countries, that's a very different story. <laughs> but I think it's, I think it's feasible. What do you think? Rosa? All right. I know it's it is like the goal to achieve it by 2030, right? Like the SDG. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if it's feasible by then. I I think it's feasible because that is what we're fighting. I mean, that is what we stand for. So if I didn't believe it was feasible, then obviously the whole, my, the whole point of my global health career is gone. But <laughs> but I think when we say, like, I think we do need to define, like, what coverage is, what coverage means in different countries. Um, I think it does require a lot of political will. I think it requires a lot of commitment. Um and community-based action rather than maybe looking at it like at a global scale and being like all of your countries here's your goal good luck but Mm -hmm. really looking at like um kind of looking at it as a needs-based system and looking at what each country needs to um achieve this Mm -hmm. 
I know like healthcare professional shortage, like worker shortage is a big thing. Addressing that, giving people more incentives to remain in the country that they um, trained in. Mm-hmm. I know that WHO has like um, kind of, uh, I think it's like a convention for that. Um, but really putting that into action would be good. But I think, yeah, it requires a lot of work, but I think it's feasible or I hope it is. <laughs> we have hope. We have hope. <laughs> We've improved, like we've improved since like 2000. So it's possible. Mm. What about you, Garden of Eden? <laughs> Garden of Eden. <laughs> I don't know who came up with that, y'all. That like, caught me off guard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think I think it's pretty much the same as Loza. Like, yes, it is feasible, I think, but we definitely need to be able to adapt. Each country needs to be able to, it needs to be adapted to each country. Oh, my words. <laughs> Um, you need to look at the context of each country. It needs to take into account, let's say, cultural factors. Like Justin said, there's a lot of community-based. Um, sorry, what's the full term? Community-based. Community health insurance. Community health insurance. <laughs> there's that sort of system, and it can work in some contexts, but it may not work in all contexts. Uh, places like here in Switzerland, where they can afford to have a system of private health insurance, because that you know many people are usually paid quite highly over here so it depends on the country there's no universal universal health coverage shall i say um it's just yeah. gonna depend on the country but i think it's feasible i think it's feasible I mean, the, the uk has tried Sha. the uk tries with the nhs yeah i know it gets a lot of hate but it's still like yeah solid it, it's the publicly funded um healthcare system and you know what what we mean by essential health services, that's a different story. But, you know, as long as primary care is covered and, you know, some, some things that are usually costly in certain countries, it's free. She said, yeah. like, you other countries, you know who you are. <laughs> so if you're in British and you're complaining about the NHS, some countries don't even, can't even have a basic GP consultation. Yeah, it's rough. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's very expensive. Some countries it costs five thousand dollars to give birth. So mm. you know who you are. <laughs> you know who you are. I want. I, I want to attack you again because I don't want people to attack me. But you know who you are. America, America. <laughs> and also the final thing to consider when thinking about universal health coverage is that most of the time when it comes to these um, UHC interventions. It requires money. Administrative costs are a lot. So most of the time, even if the people are being taxed more, how much money actually reaches the people? It's a, not that same percentage that started off initially. Mm-hmm. So there are costs such as um, administrative costs, the lawyers, the, the government, the whole institutions that require also like infrastructure it's, that's mm-hmm. cool. there's there are different different factors to consider so it's not as straightforward it's so smooth. let's kind of find a way to end on this note do you have any any even if it's just one like burning policy recommendation what would it burning be policy recommendation. burning one burning policy recommendation <laughs> What first comes to mind for me is more an issue that just is in terms of health in general is how like we're talking about like we understand that 
healthcare and to provide good healthcare services is not cheap. It requires a lot of money, right? And how that money comes about, it will depend on each country and it needs to be adapted to your country. Mm-hmm. But I still do think that overall, we do see that governments across the world, it's not just low-income countries, it's even middle-income to high-income countries. Mm-hmm. Their budgets for health already, I feel, are an issue. Like budgets dedicated to health are perhaps not prioritized versus the budget for our military versus the budget for, I don't know, sports and culture or something like that. <laughs> yeah. so I think it can also begin there. Yeah. Like, let's actually find a way to invest more money into our healthcare and like actually, you know, have more money for health. Have more money and use it effectively. That's true. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, I think the WHO's recommendation for healthcare budget is like 15%, right? At least fifteen percent, and I think some countries don't even dedicate. Where I'm from, sorry, my people, Cameroon spends about four percent of their healthcare. Yeah, it's four percent. So that's yeah. I'm, I'm sorry, that's problematic. That, that's, yeah. problematic. that's a problem. It's a problem. Yeah. Healthcare is a very very basic necessity. Just like how you need water, people don't choose to not be to be ill. People don't choose how they, I mean, there's certain life factors that affect somebody's health. But when it comes to healthcare, that is life. And who determines the value of life? Who determines right. the value of someone's life? You know, it's not a product. It's not like I'm buying an iPhone. It's I'm not a commodity. It's not a commodity. So, yeah, it's definitely worth it doing that as well. So, yeah. what you saying? No, I was just saying, um, use it. I mean, more money needs to be there, but also using it effectively. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I think there are some countries where a lot of money is pumped into the healthcare, but then um, I believe it is not going to the right people in the right places. In the right places. That the is. right places. <laughs> and then we can put corruption. Yeah. All the other issues that come All the money. other places where the money just vanishes. But, yeah. Okay, now I'm going to ask you a final, 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 final hard question. A hard question. Would you... Would you do you support a publicly funded system or a private? I'm going to say public. Um, I'm a bit of a socialist. But um, <laughs> no, I only say public because um, I think it is more likely to be regulated and less profit-driven. Mm. I think a lot of times when things are privatized, then obviously like money just takes over. And when things like health become profit-driven, then obviously it's for... It's not for the benefit of the people that can afford things. Mm-hmm. So for that reason, I would say public. Public, yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. Public. Um, I know no, everyone does not like, oh, high taxes and stuff like this, but I do think like Loza saying you made a great point. Like, you know, it's much easier for for the financing of healthcare to be regulated if we say we include it as part of our taxation system. So a lot of places have like earmarked taxes, um, you know, which means that we we have like a tax that's specific for like, let's say this tax that you pay here is going towards NHS funding. Yeah. Systems like that, they help out a lot. Mm. Wow. I agree. I agree. I think even looking at different, different countries, Public funded systems tend to do better in terms of equity than mm. private funded systems. While private funded systems can be well run and everything, there still tends to be a certain group of people that are left behind that still can't afford the health insurance schemes that yeah. are 
um, provided. So yeah, in terms of equity, I think public funding systems tend to do better. On that note, we're going to conclude. Thank you very much for listening to the World Health Investigation Podcast. I'm Jocelyn. I'm Edna. And I'm Loza. And we are three young global health professionals on the World Health Investigation Podcast. So please follow us on our socials. We have Instagram at WHI underscore podcast. Twitter WHI underscore podcast mm-hmm. on LinkedIn and Facebook at World Health Investigation as well as please, 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 please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. Subscribe right now, actually. Right now. I'm watching you. Uh, right now. <laughs> World Health <laughs> Investigation. Please support. Thank you very much and have a lovely rest of the week.